This is the Bible in one year, day 363. Your crown is coming. Queen Elizabeth II acceded to the throne in 1952. At her coronation in Westminster Abbey, she was handed a Bible, anointed, and then crowned by the Archbishop of Canterbury. On the 6th of February, 2022, she became the first British monarch to celebrate a platinum jubilee, commemorating 70 years on the throne. It was a multinational celebration. The climax was a weekend in June 2022 filled with street parties and concerts and a special service of thanksgiving. The whole country came together to celebrate. On the 6th of May 2023, at Westminster Abbey, we'll see the coronation of the new king, Charles III, who, after being the longest-serving heir apparent in British history, has now succeeded her to the throne. According to the New Testament, every Christian will be crowned and will reign even longer, and there will be an even bigger cause for celebration and rejoicing than any earthly ruler. You will reign with Christ. What does this mean? Who reigns with him? When does this reign begin? From Psalm 149. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song, his praise in the assembly of his faithful people. Let Israel rejoice in their maker. Let the people of Zion be glad in their king. Let them praise his name with dancing and make music to him with tambourine and harp. For the Lord takes delight in his people. He crowns the humble with victory. Let his faithful people rejoice in this honor and sing for joy on their beds. May the praise of God be in their mouths and a double-edged sword in their hands to inflict vengeance on the nations and punishment on the peoples, to bind their kings with fetters, their nobles with shackles of iron, to carry out the sentence written against them. This is the glory of all his faithful people. Praise the Lord. Enjoy the honour of being crowned by the Lord. The people of God are called to celebrate their sovereign creator, their king, to praise him with dancing and make music to him. The reason given is that the Lord takes delight in his people. He crowns the humble with salvation. Let the saints rejoice in this honour and sing for joy on their beds. All who love God are in the seat of honour. There's a hint here in the crowning of his people of reigning with Christ. God delights in sharing his blessings with you. And these verses are a reminder of how much you have already received from him. You can delight in the crown of salvation and rejoice in the honour of being in relationship with him. The psalmist goes on to say that God's people will execute judgment, a double-edged sword in their hands. In our New Testament passage for today, we see that God's people will accompany Christ in judgment. The weapons are not literal swords, but the double-edged sword of the word of God. 
this awesome responsibility and honor could easily make for pride. However, he crowns the humble. We have not earned our salvation. It's a gift. We have not earned the right to reign with Christ. This also is an extraordinary gift, privilege, and honor. Lord, thank you that you crown me with salvation. Thank you that you call me to reign with you. Thank you that you are my king and that you call me to be a co-heir with Christ. New Testament from Revelation 20 And I saw an angel coming down out of heaven, having the key to the abyss, and holding in his hand a great chain. He seized the dragon, that ancient snake, who is the devil or Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. He threw him into the abyss and locked and sealed it over him to keep him from deceiving the nations any more until the thousand years were ended. After that, he must be set free for a short time. I saw thrones on which were seated those who had been given authority to judge. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony about Jesus and because of the word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or its image and had not received its mark on their foreheads or their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection. The second death has no power over them, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. When the thousand years are over, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, and to gather them for battle. In number they are like the sand on the seashore. They marched across the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of God's people, the city he loves. But fire came down from heaven and devoured them. And the devil, who deceived them, was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. They will be tormented day and night, forever and ever. Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them, and each person was judged according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire.
experience your reign with Christ now. However we interpret the specifics of this passage, it is clearly wonderful news. Christ will return, Satan will be overthrown, and you will reign with Jesus and experience eternal life. This is something worth celebrating. This is a notoriously difficult passage in the book of Revelation. Many books, commentaries, and novels have been written about millennialism and when the rapture will take place. There are passionately held views on this subject and sadly divisions in the church over it. It's therefore with some trepidation that I express here my tentative views on the subject. A millennium, plural millennia, is a period of time equal to a thousand years. It derives from the Latin mille, thousand, and annus, year. Several times a thousand-year period is mentioned. When is this thousand-year period? Broadly speaking, there have been three views. First, post-millennialism. This is the view that the return of Christ would not occur until the kingdom of God had been established by the church in human history for a thousand years. Second, pre-millennialism. This is the view that the coming of Christ will be followed by the binding of Satan and the resurrection of the saints who will be raptured and will join him in a temporal kingdom where he reigns over the earth for a thousand years. This millennial kingdom will end with a final rebellion and the last judgment. Third, a millennialism. This is the view that the thousand years is the period between the first and second coming of Christ. This position holds that the period of a thousand years is metaphorical, not literal, and that the rapture will occur when Christ returns. No doubt there is room for difference of opinion between Christians on this matter. Personally, I think there are difficulties with all three views. However, when we read this passage in the context of the rest of the New Testament and the Bible as a whole, I take the view that in spite of all the arguments to the contrary, amillennianism best fits with the evidence. As we've seen, much of the language of the book of Revelation is apocalyptic language and not intended to be interpreted literally. The 1,000 years stands for a very long and unspecified period of time. What is the evidence that the 1,000-year period has already begun? First, Satan is bound. The devil is described as the dragon, that ancient serpent who is the devil or Satan. By his coming, Jesus defeated Satan. He bound the strong man. On the cross, Satan was defeated, thrown into the abyss, which was locked and sealed over him. Second, the nations are not deceived any more during this period to keep him from deceiving the nations any more until the thousand years were ended. This is the era of the church when the gospel is preached to all nations. Millions, and now billions, profess the name of Christ. Their eyes are being opened to the good news of Jesus. Third, according to the Apostle Paul, we are already reigning with Christ. The resurrected martyrs and people of God reign with Christ for a thousand years. I saw thrones on which were seated those who'd been given authority to judge. They reigned with Christ for a thousand years. As St. Paul put it, God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Fourth, you are called to reign as priests of God and of Christ. 
This priesthood of all believers has already begun. We are called to be a holy priesthood. Indeed, Peter refers to us as a royal priesthood. At the end of this period, Satan will be released from his prison and the final conflict will take place. Once again, we see here that it will not really be a conflict at all. Rather, it will be the outworking of the victory that Jesus has already achieved. The destruction of evil will be complete. Then the final judgment will take place. Lord, thank you that you have raised us up with Christ and seated us along with him in the heavenly realms. Help me to make the most of every opportunity to bring the good news to the nations. Old Testament from Nehemiah 9-11 In view of all this, we are making a binding agreement, putting it in writing, and our leaders, our Levites, and our priests are affixing their seals to it. Nehemiah chapter 10 Those who sealed it were Nehemiah the governor, the son of Hakaliah, Zedekiah, Sariah, Azariah, Jeremiah, Pashur, Amariah, Melchijah, Hattush, Shebaniah, Maluk, Harim, Miramoth, Obadiah, Daniel, Ginathon, Barak, Meshalem, Abijah, Majamin, Meaziah, Bilgai, and Shemaiah. These were the priests. The Levites, Jeshua, son of Azaniah, Binuai, of the sons of Hanadad, Kadmiel, and their associates, Shebaniah, Hodiah, Kalita, Peliah, Hanan, Micah, Rehob, Hajabiah, Zagur, Sherebiah, Shabaniah, Hodiah, Benai, and Baninu. The leaders of the people, Perosh, Pehath Moab, Elam, Zatu, Benai, Bonai, Asgad, Bibei, Adonijah, Bigvei, Adin, Eta, Hezekiah, Azur, Hadiah, Hashem, Bizei, Harif, Anathoth, Nibei, Magpiash, Meshalam, Hezer, Meshizabel, Zadok, Jajua, Pelatiah, Hanan, Aniah, Hoshea, Hananiah, Hashub, Halohesh, Pilha, Shobek, Rehum, Hajabna, Measiah, Ahiah, Hanan, Anan, Malak, Harim, and Bayana. The rest of the people, priests, Levites, gatekeepers, musicians, temple servants, and all who separated themselves from the neighboring peoples for the sake of the law of God, together with their wives and all their sons and daughters who were able to understand. All these now join their fellow Israelites, the nobles, and bind themselves with a curse and an oath to follow the Lord of God given through Moses, the servant of God, and to obey carefully all the commands, regulations, and decrees of the Lord our Lord. We promise not to give our daughters in marriage to the peoples around us, or take their daughters for our sons. When the neighboring peoples bring merchandise or grain to sell on the Sabbath, we will not buy from them on the Sabbath, 
or on any holy day. Every seventh year, we will forego working the land and we will cancel all debts. We assume the responsibility for carrying out the commands to give a third of a shekel each year for the service of the house of our God, for the bread set out on the table, for the regular grain offerings and burnt offerings, for the offerings on the Sabbaths, at the new moon feasts, and at the appointed festivals, for the holy offerings, for sin offerings to make atonement for Israel, and for all the duties of the house of our God. We, the priests, the Levites, and the people, have cast lots to determine when each of our families is to bring to the house of our God at set times each year a contribution of wood to burn on the altar of the Lord our God, as it is written in the law. We also assume responsibility for bringing to the house of the Lord each year the first fruits of our crops and of every fruit tree. As it is also written in the law, we will bring the firstborn of our sons and of our cattle, of our herds and of our flocks to the house of our God, to the priests ministering there. Moreover, we will bring to the storerooms of the house of our God, to the priests, the first of our ground meal, of our grain offerings, of the fruit of all our trees and of our new wine and olive oil. And we will bring a tithe of our crops to the Levites, for it is the Levites who collect the tithes in all the towns where we work. A priest descended from Aaron is to accompany the Levites when they receive the tithes, and the Levites are to bring a tenth of the tithes up to the house of our God, to the storerooms of the treasury. The people of Israel, including the Levites, are to bring their contributions of grain, new wine, and olive oil to the storerooms, where the articles for the sanctuary and for the ministering priests, the gatekeepers, and the musicians are also kept. We will not neglect the house of our God. Nehemiah chapter 11 Now the leaders of the people settled in Jerusalem. The rest of the people cast lots to bring one out of every ten of them to live in Jerusalem, the holy city, while the remaining nine were to stay in their own towns. The people commended all who volunteered to live in Jerusalem. These are the provincial leaders who settled in Jerusalem. Now some Israelites, priests, Levites, temple servants, and descendants of Solomon's servants lived in the towns of Judah, each on their own property in the various towns, while other people from both Judah and Benjamin lived in Jerusalem. From the descendants of Judah, Attiah, son of Uzziah, the son of Zechariah, the son of Amariah, the son of Shephatiah, the son of Mahalel, a descendant of Pires, and Maasiah, son of Baruch, the son of Colhose, the son of Haziah, the son of Adiah, the son of Joyarib, the son of Zechariah, a descendant of Shelah. The descendants of Pires who lived in Jerusalem totaled 468 men of standing. From the descendants of Benjamin, Salu, son of Meshulam, the son of Joed, the son of Pediah, the son of Kaliah, the son of Maasiah, the son of Ithiel, the son of Jeshiah, and his followers, Gabai and Salai, 928 men. Joel, son of Zikri, was their chief officer 
and Judah, son of Hassanuah, was over the new quarter of the city. From the priests, Jediah, the son of Joyarib, Jachin, Sariah, son of Hilkiah, the son of Meshulam, the son of Zadok, the son of Marioth, the son of Ahitub, the official in charge of the house of God, and their associates who carried on work for the temple. 822 men. Adiah, son of Jeroham, the son of Peleliah, the son of Amzai, the son of Zechariah, the son of Pashur, the son of Malkijah, and his associates who were heads of families, 242 men. Amashai, son of Azarel, the son of Azai, the son of Meshilamoth, the son of Imma, and his associates who were men of standing, 128. Their chief officer was Zabdiel, son of Hagadolim. From the Levites, Shemaiah, son of Hashub, the son of Azraikam, the son of Hashabiah, the son of Bunai, Shabbatai and Josabad, two of the heads of the Levites who had charge of the outside work of the house of God, Mataniah, son of Micah, the son of Zabdai, the son of Asaph, the director, who led in thanksgiving and prayer, Bakbukiah, second among his associates, and Abda, son of Shemua, the son of Galal, the son of Jeduthun. The Levites in the holy city totaled 284. The gatekeepers, Akab, Talmon, and their associates who kept watch at the gates, 172 men. The rest of the Israelites, with the priests and Levites, were in all the towns of Judah, each on their ancestral property. The temple servants lived on the hill of Ophel, and Zihar and Gishpah were in charge of them. Exercise your God-given authority responsibly. As in so many Old Testament passages, here we get a foretaste of the future. God delights in his people. He puts us in position of authority to rule and to reign. However, we are called to exercise this authority with obedience and responsibility. The people of God made a binding agreement, putting it in writing. The leaders, Levites and priests, affixed their seals to it. They promised to keep the law and bind themselves with a curse and an oath to follow the law of God. Their problem, like ours, was an inability to keep the laws. We would therefore be under God's curse, but for the fact that Jesus bore it for us on the cross. We are called to a balanced rhythm of life that includes work and rest. The people of God had to keep the Sabbath and every seventh year forego working the land and cancel all debts. They had to offer sacrifices to make atonement for their sins. The leaders settled in Jerusalem. But it's clear from this passage that the pledge was by the community. The keeping of the law was plainly made the responsibility of everyone, not just the kings and princes. Lord, thank you that I'm called to take responsibility for my own life and for serving you and obeying your commands. Thank you that I need no longer make sacrifices in order to make atonement for my sins. Thank you that through the death and resurrection of Jesus, not only has Satan been defeated, but you have raised me with Christ to reign with him in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only 
in the present age, but also in the one to come. Pepper adds, Revelation 20 verse 12 says, The dead were judged according to what they had done, as recorded in the books. I'm quite nervous about the judgment day. I dread to think what is written in the books about me. And I also wonder what God thinks about the amount of chocolate I eat. <laughs>